Let us go to the Lord again in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Again, we pray that You would abide with us in such a way that You would manifest Your presence unto us. Feed our souls with the Word. Encourage us by Thy grace. Strengthen strengthen us by Thy power. And bless us to enjoy You day by day as we live out our lives upon this earth. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Coming back to 1 John chapter 2, the next section we want to look at in this is, uh, I've called it Love Not the World, and I've sectioned it off in verses 15 through 23. It's not always easy to uh, select a uh, group of verses to uh, hang your hat on, as it were. But anyway, other commentators would do it in different ways, in different verses, no doubt. But we will... Read those verses, verses 15 through 23, and mainly look at verses 15, 16, and 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Little children, Here again we see this little children speaking of all of God's children. Little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? 
but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist, that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Now back to verses 15 through 20, uh, 15 through 20, uh, 15 through 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Love not the world. Love not the world is not a suggestion. It is a commandment. When it says, love not the world, it's in the imperative mood, which is a commandment. But not only that, it's in the imperative, present, active in other words, we are commanded not to love the world and it's to be done at all times. At all times. When is it that I am not to love the world? Right now. Right now. Right now. In other words, as each moment ticks away, we are not to love the world. What is it to love the world? What do you mean when you talk about love the world? Obviously, we should not like the things of the world. If we're not going to love it, we shouldn't like it. That is, our innermost being should recoil at the things of the world. However, at times, our flesh desires the things of the world. This is that warfare that Paul addresses in Romans chapter 7. In other words, it's one thing to need, say, a car. In other words, if a man has a job, uh, he needs some mode of transportation back and forth to work, and usually that would include a vehicle of some sort. If he lived in the inner city, he might be able to ride a bicycle or motor scooter, or he might even be able to walk to work, something of that nature.
But we live in, we have such uh, suburban areas that usually it requires a vehicle. So, uh, in other words, it's one thing to need a car. It's another thing to have a desire for a vehicle that costs you more to operate than it does to own. I say that by saying this. As When I was a boy, I remember cars coming out with uh, electric windows. And one year my dad bought a brand new uh, Ford car 1958 Ford and there was an option of getting uh, electric windows on that car and uh, I asked dad why didn't he get it he said well this is a new thing and uh, when you have a vehicle coming out with new features uh, it's best to wait a year or two till they get all the bugs out of it before you go and buy it. That way you won't have as much trouble. He said, besides, if I want a window up and down, I think I can roll it up and down and I don't have to worry about uh, pushing a button. Well, today, I don't know if you could even buy a vehicle, uh, a brand new one, uh, unless it had windows in it and uh, electric windows in it. Uh, Since I had to put my car in the body shop uh, this past week, I was given a loaner vehicle, and uh, I had to learn how to operate it because uh, I don't even have to uh, get the key out of my pocket to open it long as it's in my pocket, I can open the door and crank the vehicle, lock the door and do whatever I need to do uh, without not even need a key. In fact, I don't even know if there's actually a key on the fob or not. Uh, I haven't even looked at it that closely. I don't think there is. I remember back when I was working for Whirlpool, uh, I had to go up to our corporate headquarters and uh, (laughs) I never will forget that day. It was about a uh, 12 or 13, 14-hour day because of snow and ice and delays in the airport and all such things as that. And I got to uh, 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 Indianapolis, uh, well, wherever per- Purdue University is. Uh, well, no, it, it was up in uh, next to Michigan. Uh, and, no, well, I had to go to Detroit. But anyway, anyway, it was up there. I had to get a car and drive on into Benton Harbor, Michigan, on the snow that was about three inches on the ground, and uh, at night. And I wasn't used to it. But make a long story short, uh, they had just come out with vehicles like that. 
that you didn't have to put the key in the ignition and uh, you, all you had to do was put your foot on the brake as long as you had the fob in your pocket and crank the car. Well, they didn't tell me how to do that, and it took me 30 minutes just to get out of the parking lot. <laughs> but, I said, but anyway, I digress too much. In other words, you could want bells and whistles just in order to keep up with the Joneses, and you could do that not only with uh, a vehicle, maybe a smartphone or a computer, or uh, you just name it. We have too much of the love of the world in us. <clears throat> However, if a person has plenty of money and can buy a vehicle with all the bells and whistles and did not uh, cost them any, I mean, not uh, put them in a hardship or a bind, and, uh, and, and their pride doesn't enter into it, uh, obviously I have no problem with them buying it. You know, if people are, people that are rich, they can afford things that some of us folk can't. But too often, we have too much desire for the things of the world. But when it talks about loving the world, we need to remember one thing about the word love. Most of the time in the Scriptures, the word love is a noun, not a verb. It's an action. Today, people talk about love. They talk about a noun. They talk about a feeling or something of that nature. You remember the analogy that we've used time and time again. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Paul said in Galatians 2.20 Christ loved me and gave Himself for me. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, where Christ died for the, for Christ loved the congregation, loved the ecclesia, and gave himself for it. You can see in those three verses, love is an action. It's not just a feeling, it's not a noun, it, it, it come, it's an action. Therefore, what is it to love the world? It is to try to gain and grasp and get the things of the world. You remember what our Lord said? Seek ye first, what? The kingdom of God and His righteousness. First and foremost, not first like one, two, three, and one is first, but first, like first in priority, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, if I were to tell you, love the kingdom, what would you love? You say, well, the kingdom. All right, what is the kingdom? 
If you don't know what it is that you're to love, how can you know to seek to attain it and to grasp the things of the kingdom? Without going into a long uh, definition of the kingdom and, and extending the message, I'll just tell you this, that the kingdom of God is the rule of God. I'll just stop right there. The rule of God. I could expand it a little bit more, but in other words, if you're wanting to seek God's kingdom first, you want God to rule your life. And you recognize that whatever comes in your life comes under the rule of God. And that we are reconciled to whatever God brings in our lives. I'm not always reconciled to what God brings in my life. I don't know about you, but I know there are times that things happen and in my life that I'm not reconciled to it. If I were, I wouldn't get so upset. The world says, follow your heart. The Scriptures say, Follow, thus saith the Lord. You know, the world talks about somebody has some problem in life and trying to figure out what to do. And if you were to be watching a movie, I would uh, probably say nine out of ten of the movies I'm talking about some romance movie or something of that nature, or somebody's in a, a, a dilemma and wanting to know what they should do about a certain job or this, that, or the other, somebody would probably say somewhere in, the, in that, well, just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. Heart's deceitful and desperately wicked. Follow the Word of God, not your heart. Unless your heart is in obedience to the Word of God. Let me read something that Arthur Pink said that I thought was really good. He said, To love the world is to give the first place to give it, that is, to give the world the first place in our heart. To idolize it. To make everything else subordinate to the acquisition and enjoyment of it. To despise whatever comes into competition with it. <clears throat> Where the world be loved, it possesses and governs the soul. 
overcoming the scruples of conscience and the principles of integrity. For its influence is subtle and insidious, powerful and perilous. It dominates many who do not suspect it. To love the world is to make its vanities the chief objects of our pursuits, to share its friendship, to court its smiles, to conform to its ways, to find our happiness in what it yields. Since the world is openly antagonistic to God, for any of His people to love it is to exercise a spirit of hostility to Him, that is, to God. It is to act a traitor's part to hold converse with the enemy's camp. And then he said this, that is, Pink said, If we pray, lead us not into temptation. We are also required to watch that we do not enter into temptation. In other words, it's one thing for the drunk to pray that God would bless him not to get drunk. But if he's going to go into the liquor store, what does he expect? Or the man that uh, likes to look at filthy magazines, why should he walk down the aisle in the grocery store where those magazines are? He would avoid them like the plague. Notice the Scripture, the verse says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. What does that tell us? There must be something different from the world and the things that are in the world. You see that? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. In other words, well, let's just use my last illustration. If a person is caught up in the philosophy of pornography, then what he needs to do is to not love filthy magazines, filthy books, filthy movies, filthy stores, filthy jokes. In other words, all of the things that go to make up that whole industry, he is to not love. He's to avoid those things. Keep them out of his out of their out of his life. Even his thought life needs to be uh disciplined, corrected, and in other words, he needs to think on things that are wholesome and good. In Ephesians 5, it talks about, or Ephesians 4, it talks about uh, to stop lying. 
Let me turn there. Uh, I can't quote it exactly the way I want, and I need to get the right verse too. In Ephesians 4, starting verse 25, Wherefore, put away lying. Well, what does a man do when he puts away lying? Well, he stops lying. Does it end there? No. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. In other words, if a man's supposed to stop lying, what does he do? Instead of telling a lie, he tells the truth. Even if it hurts. Verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more. If a man has a problem stealing, he, he stops stealing. What does he do? But, let, but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. In other words, if a person is a thief by nature, he needs to quit stealing. What does he do? He gets a good job makes money, and gives it to people that needs it. You say, well, can he keep some for himself? Why, certainly. What about verse 29? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. In other words, don't talk filthy talk. Don't use language that's contrary to the Word of God. But what do, you, what do you say? But that which is good, you speak good things to the use of edifying that it may give grace, minister grace to the hearer. In other words, you're to speak in such a way that it will build and encourage those that listen and you would also minister grace to them. So if we're not to love the world, we're not only to put away the things of the world, but to we, are, we are to replace those things with that which is good and right and honorable. Love not the world. Say, so, well, I, I don't love the world, and neither the things that are in the world. <clears throat> you know, it's like the, the man that says to his wife, well, I love you but he never does anything to show it. Doesn't do anything in particular, uh, specific. As James said, not in word only, but in deed. Obviously, we need to Avoid the world system and the world philosophy. But we are also not to be enamored with the specifics of the world. That is, as uh, God goes on and talks about it in verse 16, 
the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Any specific sin may fall into any one or maybe more of these three categories. Any sin that you have may fall into one or more of these categories. It's either the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. You have heard that it's been said, but we'll reiterate it. Go back to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden. God told them that they could... Well, first of all, He said that they were to dress and to keep the garden. And he said, you need to eat out of this garden anything you want. But, don't eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But notice verse 6. After Satan had tempted Eve. When the woman saw that the tree was Good for food. That's the lust of the flesh. Pleasant to the eyes. Lust of the eyes. And a tree desired to make one wise. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. That's how Satan got a hold of Eve. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Turn with me to Joshua. I'm having to look up the Joshua chapter 7, I guess it is. Yes, Joshua chapter 7. This is when the children of Israel had gone up to Ai and they got defeated. They'd already destroyed Jericho. God told them not to take anything out of Jericho to destroy everything. But Achan didn't. And because of Achan's sin... 
Israel couldn't win in the battle. But look in Joshua chapter 7 and verse 19. If we had time, we would look at more of this, but for time's sake, we'll just cut to the chafe of it or cut to the heart of it. And Joshua said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to God, excuse me, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. Now notice what Achan said. Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. When I saw lust of the flesh, excuse me, lust of the eyes, lust of the eyes, when I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment, and two hundred shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold of fifty shekels weight, then I coveted lust of the flesh. And took them. Well, that would be the lust of the flesh. You might... Uh, argue over which one coveted and lust or took. But here you see the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He saw, he coveted, he took. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. If you want to see how the devil is going to get a hold of you, He's going to get a hold of you this very way. This is something our whole advertising industry knows very well. What is it that they do to get you to go after their products? They show you their products. They make movies of their products. They make videos of their products. They tell you that you're going to... uh, Gained by their products. The Marlboro Man. In other words, uh, the cigarette commercial when I was a boy, the idea behind that, if you want to be a, a strong, healthy man, smoke Marlboros. They don't talk about the cancer, do they? Or if you want to be this liberated woman, the Virginia Slim woman, Smoke these, this cigarette. Or drink this alcohol. Or, or, or wear this dress. It doesn't matter whatever it is. It's, they're going to show uh, provocative things in order to try to sell their products. The lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh. The pride of life. Make it look like it's going to be something that's appealing. That it's going to be appealing to the flesh. You know, sin is pleasurable for a season. For a short season. Pride of life. It'll bring you great joy. Well, 
the devil has always been a liar from the beginning. Though we live in the world, we have to live in the world. We're, we're creatures that God has created. He put us in this world. We have to live in the world. But we don't have to live of it. Or we don't have to be of it. We have to live in the world. We have to use the things of the world. We even have to live in, uh, around wickedness. Notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, Paul said, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then you must needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to keep company if a man that is called a brother be a fornicator. In other words, Paul said, if you have someone in your congregation that's that way, you, you must not keep company with him. You must exclude him. But if you're in the world and you're working on a job, you may be working right next to a fornicator or a sodomite or a busybody. What are you to do? As much as lies within you, live peaceably with them. You don't try to antagonize them. You don't try to be mean to them. You have to live with them. You have to work with them. Whether it's a fornicator, or covetous, or extortioner, or an idolater, whatever it is, you, you have to live with those folks. Might be your next door neighbor. You might have a next door neighbor that's a, a, a covetous individual might be one of the best neighbors to you in the whole neighborhood. They might not give you any money if you need it. <laughs> but anything else, they might help you, but they might do. I mean, it's amazing how much you can get along with people and not compromise the truth of the gospel and still live and work around them. One of the, as far as I can remember, one of the best supervisors I ever had at work was a sodomite. They knew I was a minister. We never did discuss. They knew what, what I knew where they stood. They knew where I stood. But it wasn't my job to convert them. My job was to be obedient to them. 
as long as they didn't require me to do something contrary to Scripture. Now, the company at various times took up money for uh, some activities in the world. They took up money for the... Uh, well, I can't think what it... Uh, 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 United Way. I never gave a penny to the United Way because the United Way supported abortion. They also took up some money that went towards some sodomite causes. I never gave any money for any of that. And so uh, I held to my principles. Some asked me why I didn't give to some of those organizations. I said, because I don't believe in it and I'm not going to support it. Well, you could designate your money that it not go for that. I said, yeah, but it's, even if I do that, still the, it's going to help that organization as a whole and I'm not going to help it. I had to live among it, but I never partook of it. They had their Christmas parties and, and giving giving gifts. I didn't partake of that. And yet one time a, a lady came to me because previously they had put up a Christmas tree every year, but one year they decided they wouldn't put up a Christmas tree because they didn't want to offend those that didn't believe in, in it and so on. And she came to me, and she was all upset. She knew I was a preacher and knew I was Christian and so on and wanted to know uh, what we could do to get the tree put up and so on. And uh, I don't know whether she knew my position or not, but uh, I probably told her. But I said, that's none of our business. I said, that's the company's business. That's the company's policy. And if that's what the company wants to do, if we want to keep our job, we have to go along with it. But I said, I'm not going to go into uh, trying to get uh, uh, the company to change their policy. I'm here to work, and I'm here to obey my employer, and I'm here to do a Christian day's work. I had to live in the world, but I was not of it. I didn't partake of it. I didn't want the tree up myself. But when the tree was up, I didn't, I didn't make a big ruckus about it. People wanted to, if they, that's what they wanted to do, I left it with them. But I wasn't going to participate in it because it's a pagan holiday. And we know that. Anybody knows that. You can Google it and find that out. Why would a Christian want to participate in a pagan holiday? That's where it came from. Pagan religion. 
but I'm, I'm considered the oddball. And I realized that, and people ask me why, what I believe, I tell them. But when I walk into Walmart or somebody else, and there's uh, the uh, uh, Salvation Army there taking up money, well, I wouldn't give any money to Salvation Army anyway because it's not Christian. And I'm not going to go into what all the Salvation Army believes, but if you realize and know what they believe, they're not Christian. I wouldn't give money to the Salvation Army. And I'm sure they're not going to give it for Christmas. And I, when people try to corner me, I usually try not to say anything, but if they force me, I just say, no, thank you, and go on. Occasionally, I have stopped and talked to some, but as a general rule, I live in the world, but not of it. We live in the world, but not of it. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And what I'm talking about, the pride of life, really works on you because I don't like anybody not to like me. I want everybody to like me. And a lot of times when I've been uh, asked my views and, and things of that nature, there's usually a, uh, a pit in my stomach, afraid of what's going to happen, don't want to create... Uh, add, uh, in other words, if they leave me alone, I'll leave them alone. If my government would leave me alone, I'd be glad to leave them alone. But we live in the world. But we don't need to be a part of the world. I could I could preach much about the wickedness of politics and politicians and organizations that rule the world. But that's not what God called me to preach. And though I know a lot of stuff that goes on and has gone on, I'm not to dwell on that. I'm to dwell on the Word of God. Dwell on the Word of God. We must not allow the things of the world to rule and master our lives. One simple example, other than what we've talked about, we have to use a means of exchange for the purposes for the purchases of goods and services. And basically what we use is money. You can barter for goods and services. But basically we use money. But we must not love the money. Money is not the root of all evil. 
It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. Most likely, the reason that I'm not a rich man is because I wouldn't know how to handle it. You know, God doesn't give riches to everybody. But notice what He does say somewhat about this. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. We've already quoted some of this. 1 Timothy 6, verses 8 and 9. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. Are you content with food and raiment? But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown, which, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. What do you read about or see or hear about in the news a lot today? Because of the increase of prices, people's savings are going away. Now, I'm not saying, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's wrong to have savings. And the problem that most people face today is because they really have not given proper attention to savings, they've been living beyond their means. They put it on the credit card. They buy, buy now and pay later. And most of the time they pay the 18 and 19% interest on the credit cards. And things of that nature. But are we content with food and raiment? You remember what the Lord said when He taught the disciples how to pray, particularly in Luke's account? Give us our daily bread. Luke's account, give us Day by day, our daily bread. Would I be content 
if I only had enough bread, enough food for today, and only enough clothes for today. Would I be content with that? Or would I worry and wonder where the next meal is going to come from? What about you? What are we talking about? We're talking about loving the world. We're talking about security in God or security in the world and the flesh. Yes, we have to have these things. It's not wrong to have uh, to, to can food and put up food. Uh, to store up food. It's not wrong to have a freezer and have food extra on hand. I'm not saying any of that is wrong. Don't get me wrong in that. In fact, uh, I can build a case for it from Scripture. One of the first, one of the ones that comes to mind easy, easy is where the Lord said, Go to the ant, thou sluggard. The ant lays aside food for the winter time. And don't lay around and be lazy. Put up put up food. Prepare for the future. But that's not what our trust is. Trust is in Christ. Love not the world. See, we think of loving the world as maybe uh uh, stealing, murder, sexual sins, all such wickedness as that. The whole worldly system. The whole worldly system. Well, We'll talk a little bit more about this, Lord willing, next time. I've got a good stopping place here, according to my outline. <laughs> I don't know whether it's a good stopping place for you, but anyway, uh, we'll stop there and take up next time. And we'll talk more about the lust of the flesh and the pride of life in these things particularly. Yes, we live in the world. We have to partake of the world. That is, we have to live in this society. We have to eat. We have to drink. We have to have clothes. We have to have all of these things. But they need to be in moderation. They need to be in moderation. That would include, and this cuts to the quick with my, myself, that would include on how much I eat. I have a bad habit of snacking late at night. Well, I can't expect to lose weight that way, can I?
And what do I do sometimes? I say, oh, well, I'll change tomorrow. And it's always today. I can't do anything about tomorrow. But I can today. Today is the day of salvation. Not only uh, salvation in every way. If I want to uh, have salvation with my weight, I've got to do something today. If I want my soul to be in tune with the Lord, I've got to do something today. Not put it off till tomorrow. Love not the world. Let's pray. Father, we're mighty good. Well, at least maybe I should say I'm mighty good at talking about and even praying to You how I don't want to love the world or be a part of the world. and Yet I keep pampering my flesh. I pray for forgiveness, but I also pray for help. Help me to repent. Help me to draw nigh to Thee. Help us, our God, to love You and serve You in a way that is acceptable to You. And help us to know how to discern these things. Because John the Baptist didn't eat or drink. They said he had a devil. And because you, our Lord, did eat and drink, accused you of being a wine-bibber and a gluttonous man. So the world may say anything about us, but help us to follow the Scriptures in a way that is honoring and pleasing to You. In Jesus' name, Amen.